Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. My guest today is Danielle Hendon. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love getting to meet podcasters and their audience. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining me. And in this topic in specific, what I'm calling small business CFO. CFO, if you don't know, stands for Chief Financial Officer. Uh, we're going to dive into that because regardless of the size of your small business, managing your financials is critical to profitability, not to mention the survival of your business. And as you continue growing your business, it becomes even more important to learn how to financially prepare for and manage that growth. And so Danielle is with me today to share some valuable tips and advice on how to manage your business like a CFO, like a chief financial officer. And perhaps consider that it may be even time to add a CFO to your team, perhaps virtually. And that's an option now. And Danielle offers that service and we'll chat about that as well. To receive more information about the Howard business, including the show notes page for this episode and how you can continue supporting my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, just visit thehowabusiness.com. I also encourage you to subscribe to my show wherever you're listening so you don't miss any new episodes. So Daniel Hendon is the founder and owner of Four Corners CFO. Four Corners CFO uh, is a firm offering financial advisory services to small business owners like us on a scale that fits their company, and budget, so at a scale that fits us as small business owners. Coupling her decade of experience in corporate finance and accounting and her passion for small business owners, Danielle brings the benefit of big business financial analysis to us as entrepreneurs and small business owners. Now, instead of helping corporations increase share price, Danielle gets to help small business owners increase their personal livelihoods so they can leave a legacy and lasting impact on their community. Danielle lives in League City, Texas, which is between Houston and Galveston, right, Danielle? It is. We get all the fun humidity. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I drive. I drive past there uh, several times uh, here in the last years, going down to take a cruise out of Galveston. But that's as close as I've come to League City. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> great area. I was actually born in Houston, Texas. But uh, my parents moved back to South Florida when I was very young. But anyway, Danielle Hendon, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here, Henry. I'm excited to get into this. And we are going to get right into it because the time is going to go fast because there's so much to talk about. But let's start with your journey. Uh, I'm interested in that. So could you share briefly what led up to you launching Four Corners CFO? I know there's a, a lot there, but if you could summarize that, get us to how you got to launching Four Corners CFO. Yeah, so I am, I'll give the way, way background a little bit. I'm a military brat, so I've traveled all over being a, a daughter of a military veteran, and we landed in Houston, mm. and I, being in the Houston area, I 
went to U of H. I loved the the college I was in. I actually started as a music major mm. and I realized very quickly that my choice of major was not going to provide the lifestyle I hoped to live. <laughs> so I had some friends in accounting and I jumped ship over there, tried a few classes and absolutely loved everything about it. I ended up getting my master's in accounting and even pursued my CPA as I was working at one of the CPA firms in Houston. But then I started a family and I realized very quickly that I cannot work 80 hour work weeks with a newborn. And again, being in the Houston area, most of my experience was in oil and gas. So when I left public accounting, I went into oil and gas. And I worked for a company that functioned as a billion dollar business that thought they were a teeny tiny small business. Everybody <laughs> knew everybody. It, it was amazing. And I'm going to say this a lot today, but I loved what I did. Mm. However, oil prices tanked and the, the company went through bankruptcy. On the other side of that bankruptcy, they were owned by a lot of financial bankers that started to slice and dice. And then the pandemic hit. Mm. And it was a very clear sign that they were selling things for pennies on the dollars. The doors were going to finally close. For me, the pandemic was a bit of a double-edged sword. It was probably the first opportunity for this, what I will admit was a workaholic mom, to take a step back and be there for my kids in a way that I had never been before. Mm. I was driving them to swim practice. I was driving them to school. I was getting to know the coaches and the team and the friends and the teachers. And I realized I have a unique opportunity to continue doing that. So I started researching opportunities and, and possibilities to continue doing what I love doing from a career perspective, the, the strategy and the analytics and the accounting, but doing it in a way that allowed me to be there for the people that I love. Hmm. And I am so grateful for a friend of mine that introduced me to a fractional CFO, a virtual CFO, whichever term you prefer. And I've learned that this small business community is full of people that just want to empower each other. And she told me all about what she did and how she did it. And I fell in love and I launched Four Corners CFO and I haven't looked back since. It's amazing. Uh, what does the name mean, Four Corners? So I did a lot of thinking before coming up with the name and the branding. I wanted something that reflected building blocks. Because for mm. me, that's what finance is. It's a lot of building blocks. And if we can get the right four corners, the right building blocks, those those cornerstones in place, we can build a really solid business that is profitable for years to come. Yeah, love it. And easy to remember as well. When you were back working for that oil and gas company before things begin to go south, if they had not, do you think you'd still be there? I probably would, if I'm honest. I, I'm not your traditional entrepreneurial spirit. I very much like stability in my life. I'm I'm very much an accountant that doesn't necessarily like to take a lot of risks. And it is part of what I've really had to lean into and practice as a business owner is getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Do you let's talk about this this topic of risk because it's a common one. Um my I have a perspective on it. It may be sometimes a little contrarian. I think that as business owners, as entrepreneurs, the perception is that we are risk takers, but I don't think that's true. I think that we just do the analysis. We understand what we're putting at risk and we move forward with a bit of faith that we can make it happen. 
but realize that, you know, the consequences of failure won't kill us necessarily, right? Um, those things combined allow us to move forward. Has your perception of risk changed now that you're a business owner? I think you put it perfectly. I think my perception of business owners has changed. Everybody I know functions very similar to what you just said. And I think I always thought being an entrepreneur meant taking all those crazy risks and leap of faith. And don't get me wrong, there's leaps of faith that we all have to take to grow, but they're calculated risks. And being a numbers person, I can definitely get behind calculated risk. Yep. Yep. Well said. What do you, and you know, it probably has a lot to do with what you were able to do during COVID, those freedoms, but what is it that being your own boss provides for you now? It is 100% about my family. It's the flexibility to be there for my kids in a way that allows me to not just watch, but participate in them growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's so common for a lot of entrepreneurs. It certainly was for me, that flexibility uh, to be able to, to control a lot of things and mostly time and where I am and who I spend it with is, is huge for us, I think. Um, all right, well, let's dive in. Let, let, I thought we'd start by if you could give us a, a high level overview of the services that you offer uh, in your practice. And that'll lead us into, you know, what the heck is a fractional or outsource CFO. But let's start with a high level. What are the services that you offer your clients? Yeah. So every CFO you talk to is probably going to tell you something a little different. I love networking with CFOs and they all do different industries, different things. But for me personally, in Four Corners CFO, we focus on the budget and the cash flow. With my corporate background, that's where I know big business gets bigger. When you set a plan in motion and you are able to monitor where you are compared to that plan, that's how you grow. That's how you take informed decisions and you have the confidence to take those risks because you know the plan, you know where you are, and you know what could happen. Most small business owners I have found don't do any level of budgeting either because, uh, I mean, mostly because they don't know how or they think it's some complicated process. But what you're telling me is that, you know, as we start to talk about those things that larger organizations do or that successful small businesses do, budgeting is one of those top things that you help people with. It is because the budget, really think of it about as, think about it as a map, a roadmap for your business. It's no different than sitting with a business coach. And I know so many of us hire business coaches and envisioning that future. Where do you want your business to go? And a vision is great, but you've got to know how you're going to get there. And when it comes to profitability and putting more profit in your pocket, that happens with a budget. Mm -hmm. I often recommend for small business owners that are starting for the first time with budgets is to start small, meaning start with select variable expense uh, accounts that they think need to be managed or better monitored instead of trying to, you know, put together a budget for the entire chart of accounts. Right. What are you, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with that approach or do you have a different thought on that? So I usually tell small business owners to look at their P and L. It doesn't necessarily have to be account by account, but most really great bookkeepers are going to group your accounts and you're going to want to assign a budget to those those major account groupings, your sales, your cost of sales, your 
payroll, I hope you have some payroll and you're paying yourself. Or if you're not, that's when we get into taking that next step from budget to cash flow and making sure we've got cash to pay ourselves if you aren't an S Corp yet. Mm-hmm. I definitely recommend looking at the PL and giving each line, each major line on that PL, profit and loss, a number that you expect to achieve. And if that feels overwhelming, I would recommend starting with your sales and your cost of sales yeah. because that that gives you what we call in finance a gross profit margin. And that's going to be one of the most important numbers in your business. Yeah. So sales and cost of goods sold, those two categories would be where you would start. Uh, and then other categories, like you said, like payroll. So start at that category level. What is that target number? And then, you know, everybody should be looking at their P&L on a monthly basis. But as far as budgets go for people starting out, do you ask them to look at how you're doing compared to budget monthly, quarterly? What are your thoughts there? It depends on the size of your business. For a business that is in, let's say, I'm going to go with service-based businesses. If you are a service-based business in the six figures, I would recommend you should be looking no less than quarterly and really working towards that monthly process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's my thought as well. All right. We'll come back to this, you know, budgeting cash flow. Cash flow certainly is is an important one, but you talk about the top three financial red flags, where to find them, how to address them, that we chat about that. What, what are those top three financial red flags that, that you look at often with your small business clients, Danielle? And I'm going to get a little bit technical here, but I'm going to try to explain it the best way I can. If you're familiar with looking at your financial statements, one of the number one financial red flags when I have a new client and I'm taking them on is whether or not they're paying themselves. And that could show up in a couple of different places, depending on your business structure and size. It might be in your payroll, if you're an S Corp or a C Corp, or if you are just a sole proprietor and you have what we call pass-through income, it's going to show up in your distributions. If you are not paying yourself, and I get it, I'm, I'm a business owner myself, we all go through times where we feel like we've got to give it all to our business. But if you don't find a way to pay yourself, then you are going to burn out. And at the end of the day, if you're burnt out and overwhelmed, you're not going to be able to help anybody. Yeah. Yeah, the way I look at it is we're talking, of course, beyond that startup period, whatever that is, six months, a year, something like that. I think, in my opinion, curious to see what you think. I think after about a year mark, if the business isn't generating something for you in the way, as you said, whether it's profit distribution or a salary or some other owner's benefits combined, then I, I think it shows that the business model is probably broken. You're you're not profitable. Yeah. Yeah, you may need to pivot and rethink what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I would challenge your your listeners, even if you're in those first six months or that first year, to set aside a little bit of profit, even if it's just 1%, and create the habit of paying yourself. Because there are so many things in a business that we we continue to do over and over again without challenging ourselves to find another way to do it. And if you prioritize paying yourself and and taking that profit, you're going to figure out how to pay the rest of the bills. But if you pay the rest of the bills first, you may never figure out how to pay yourself. Yeah. 
yeah, I know you and I chatted briefly. Um, we'll talk more about it in a moment, but the, the profit first approach is one that you're very much in favor of that is partly what you're talking about here, right? Definitely. And, and uh, one of the things that I like about that mentality um, is like what I started doing budgeting for real for one of my businesses, and it was a fairly mature business, is working backwards is the way I put it, is what, what was my realistic profit margin that I wanted to achieve. And it was based on previous years. It wasn't like I was just picking a number out of the sky and then worked backwards from there. Everything else budget-wise had to be in alignment for us to realize that target margin range. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's another way to look. Okay. But that was number one flag is if I am not paying myself and I'm past that startup phase, you know, whatever stage that is, because I do think that the reason I clarify that, Danielle, is I think a lot of people are delusional sometimes that their business is going to start paying them, you know, commensurate to what they were making uh, month one. Now, maybe your business can, fantastic if it does. In reality, you got to ramp up first before you are going to make any money. But once you do get past that, you're looking for that and that's a red flag. What's the other red flag? Debt. And it's a, a red flag that not very many people like to talk about. There's a right. lot of mindset that goes around debt. From a financial perspective, if you are looking at your balance sheet and you have what I'm going to call negative retained earnings, so at mm -hmm. the very bottom of a balance sheet, you're going to see a number that says retained earnings. If that number is negative, it means that your business has spent more money than it's made and most likely has some debt that they've taken on. So a lot of business owners, so most business owners fall in one of two buckets when it comes to debt. You either are completely debt averse. You don't want to ever take on a penny of it. You're afraid to take on that debt. You don't know that your business will be able to pay it back and you just don't want the burden. To those business owners, I will say start with a business credit card mm -hmm. because yes, your credit card counts as debt. Pay it off every single month and find a credit card that gives you some really good rewards because it will start to train your brain that there is a benefit to debt when it's used in the right way. Yeah, there's good debt and there's bad debt. It's a matter of the ratio of it. How much are you carrying relative to the profitability of your business, to what your business is able to, to, uh, to handle, right? Yep. And then for me, the difference between good debt and bad debt is all about the intention. If that debt is going to give you a return on investment, great. If it's not, if it's unintentional, if it's a last minute resource, that's usually where we stumble into the bad debt. And yeah. I'll give the, the other side of the coin, those that don't have any aversion to debt and will take on as much as they can be given can end up being burdened with these interest rates and interest payments that could affect their business for years to come. I have clients who we are in the midst of conversations with how much are we going to pay on the the idle loan? Because if all you're paying on that idle loan is a minimum, you that's like the student loan for businesses. Yeah. You are paying that sucker for 30 years. And I don't know about you, but I have no clue where my business is going to be in 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. No, good point. The other thing with debt, I'm sure, Danielle, is that that uh, debt that's not on the balance sheet. I know so many business owners will say, oh, we, we took out these loans. Oh, but I also have a personal card that's maxed out that's related to the business. And that's another oh, yes. killer. Yeah. 
make sure you are not mixing personal and business. It's a huge red flag for the IRS, honestly, but also for your business. You want to know what your numbers are. And if you don't have it all there, and I know it can be scary and so many of us just want to stick our head in the sand, but if you don't know what the numbers are, you don't know where you stand and how can you move forward if you don't know where you are? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. So the first one was, are you paying yourself second bad debt? What's the third red flag that you often look for? So the third red flag has to do with profit margins. And I talked a little bit earlier about making sure you know what your expectations are for sales and cost of goods sold, and that that gives you what we're going to call gross profit margin. If your gross profit margin isn't making enough for you to cover all the other expenses in your business, and you're ending up with what I'm going to say is negative net income. So it, we talked about negative retained earnings. That's at the bottom of your balance sheet. Negative net income is the bottom number on your P&L. And if you're running negative net income, even if you're paying yourself, first of all, you're probably paying yourself from debt. You're accruing either credit card debt or some other form. And it's not sustainable. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's the ultimate measure. We either, a, a business is either profitable or it's, you know, it's not a business, it's an expensive hobby and probably one that needs to either critically pivot and get help to turn things around, or you might have to shut it down. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are hard decisions to make and you got to get help with that. All right. Um, all right. So we'll come back to these. The other thing that you often talk about, and we've touched on, on, on a couple of them, specific things that should be completed on a regular cadence. And again, we're, we're thinking about this from the perspective of what, what does a CFO think about? And since we mostly don't have CFOs as small business owners, we wear that hat. That's, that's why this input is so valuable. And we'll talk about it in a moment that maybe I can bring in an outsourced CFO, but we talked about reviewing the PL on on a monthly basis at least. We talked about the budgeting components. We've just talked about, you know, specifically on the PL profit. We've talked about managing debt. So that brought in the balance sheet. What other things, or maybe it's just repeating those things, should we be completing on a regular cadence, as you said, related to the financial health of the business? So there's one other component to the balance sheet that not a lot of business owners think about because they rely on their bookkeeper to do it. And that is reconciliations. Make sure, first of all, that your bookkeeper is reconciling, or if you're doing your own books, in, and I'm going to use QuickBooks because that's what I think most people are familiar with, there is a reconciliation function. And your cash, the balance left in your bank account, should reconcile or match to the entries that you've made in your bookkeeping. And if it doesn't, then we need to figure out why. And there's mm -hmm. good reasons why. Sometimes there's timing differences that will throw things off, especially with credit cards. But if you've got things that are not being recorded in your books, then you're not looking at accurate numbers. Yeah. And that could that could mean all kinds of things. But inclusive, I think the reconciliation sense around that point, Danielle, as a business owner, reconciliation of the bank account and credit cards is something that I need to review at a minimum because that can really identify uh, potential issues with fraud, embezzlement, uh, all yep. kinds of things that that I could easily keep an eye on if I look at the reconciliations. Definitely, because, and 
I mean this in the nicest way possible, small business owners are prone to fraud and theft at an exorbitantly higher rate than bigger yep. business because bigger business is already doing these things. Yeah, they've got the controls in place. They've got the division of, of responsibilities. We have one person doing it all. And we we tend to give that one person, not that that person, it might be an error that they commit. Or they mm-hmm. might get uh, they might get uh, a, a virus, or somebody might might hack them. We never know, but that is one of the easiest ways to keep your your finger on the pulse of what is actually flowing in the way of transactions through the business. Yeah. And then the other one that we haven't touched on that I recommend every business owner look at at least once a year. I wouldn't say I do this much more fre- frequently than once a year. Is pull a list of all of your expenses. And ask yourself if those expenses are required to run your business, if they are what I like to call a personal perk, the things that we know we can run through our business for tax purposes, but they don't add value to the business, they add value to the business owner. And everything else on that expense listing is an investment in your business. And I would challenge you to ask yourself, what is your return on investment for each of those line items. And that may be a return in time. I pay so many people just to get some of my time back, but it could also be a return in the form of money. And this applies especially to marketing expenses that you, I'm gonna be honest, we all need to give them you know, 90 days, six months, whatever that period is to make sure that they work. Marketing takes some ramp up, but you don't wanna just keep paying something that's not working. Yeah. Uh, great advice and a great way to look at it. What is the return that I'm getting on it? I think that what happens because so many things uh, can be individually small amounts and the whole concept now of subscriptions and monthly memberships, mm-hmm. we forget about them. They get lost in the credit cards and those things add up. They add up. And so I think it's a great point, a great advice that once a year review that very critically and say, what is this giving me? Do I still need this? I do that about once a year and I end up cleaning up at least two or three things that I decide, you know, this is not, this is not worth it anymore, but I had just forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. And especially as you grow, I think that a lot of us tend to start bolting on different software systems. This will solve this problem. This will solve that problem. And it's a really good chance to say, is there something else out there that could solve all of these for less? Yeah. Great point. Great point. This is Henry Lopez briefly pausing this episode to invite you to join me for one of my next live online workshops. During these interactive workshops, I cover a specific topic that will help you with starting and growing your small business. Just visit thehowofbusiness.com to learn more and to register. If you need help creating an effective business plan, for example, to start your first small business, then my next business plan workshop may be just what you need. Or perhaps you need help completing your financial projections for your new business. Well, I have a workshop for that too. And if you're already operating your business, then you can probably benefit from learning how to better manage the cash in your business by attending my cash flow management online workshop. These are just a few of the workshops that I currently offer. And I keep these workshops to a small number of participants so that we have the time to answer all of your questions. Whether it's getting started with your first business or growing and exiting your existing small business, I can help you get there with one of my online workshops. To find out more and to register for a live online workshop, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. Take that next step today towards finally realizing your business ownership dreams. I look forward to having you join me for my next workshop.
All right, let's talk about cash flow. Uh, we could do a whole show on cash flow, <laughs> and, and in fact, I'm I'm doing a workshop on on cash flow is because it's such a uh, an important topic for people. So I do a regular workshop. Uh, people can go to you can go to the howabusiness.com to find the next one. But educate me on cash flow. Let, let's start with if I don't know anything about monitoring or measuring it. Where do you usually help people to get started with managing cash flow? So there are two different perspectives to cash flow that are important to every business owner. One is what are, where does cash stand right now? Can I afford the thing you're trying to put on the credit card today? And I will be honest, I point all of my business owners to a profit first perspective for that. And we can talk a little bit more about that later. But what I do as a CFO is what I call forecasting cash flow. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be honest, I don't treat cash flow like any other accountant that I know because most business owners I know have no idea what indirect or direct cash flow means. And if I start talking about financing activities and operating activities, it's just mumbo jumbo, right? Yeah, and it, and it overcomplicates things, right? So overcomplicated. So my biggest tip when it comes to cash flow is treat it like a budget. When you are forecasting your cash flow, treat it like a budget. If your clients are paying you upfront, then you know if you booked revenue or sales this month, you should have cash for it. And if you don't, that means somebody owes you money. And if you are using a credit card for the majority of your, your expenses, which most business owners I know are using their credit card for most expenses, you're going to pay last month's expenses next month. Mm-hmm. Treat it like a budget. The only difference is that we need to make sure we account for the things that are not in your budget. Your budget is never going to show you your profit distributions. It's never going to show you the payments you make on your debt. And it's never going to show you your savings, whether for emergency fund, reinvestment, or what I like to make sure all of my clients do, saving for taxes. Mm -hmm. Because we want to be profitable, which means we are going to pay taxes. Okay. So um, what are you telling me that I should be doing first here? Take your budget. So once we talked about first steps to making a budget, you're going to want to yep. be at the point where you have a budget and you're going to take those same high level categories, sales, cost of sales, expenses, and then you're going to layer in from that your debt, your savings, and your profit distributions. And when you add all of that up, that's giving mm. you your cash flow forecast. Cash flow. I uh, the way that I usually do it is I do that in a spreadsheet, and I like to look forward, you know, two or three months. Is that what you often recommend as well? I mean, you know, it depends, but how far forward do you think I should be looking? So I actually love to project out to the end of the year because I know a lot of business owners will start looking at how much can I put in my SEP? How much can I take in profit distributions? And especially if a business owner has a cyclical nature, mm -hmm. let's be honest, we all have some kind of cyclical nature. Business is not always consistent. Sure. You want to be able to kind of forecast for those those downturns. Yeah. You or, need to or, or I might have a dips. big inventory purchase that I do before fourth quarter. I need to plan for that, right? So yep. that might be another reason I got to look out farther. And making sure you've got 
what I'm going to call cushion to get you through any of those dips or those big travel plans. I have clients that'll take like a really big trip to go visit vendors overseas, and that's going to be a huge expense and a hit to their cash flow. So if I do do 12 months out, nonetheless, I mean, my thought is, depending on how critical it is, I'm looking at this and revising it at least once a month. But if cash is critical, then I'm looking at managing my receivables and looking at my cash flow position at least weekly. What What are your thoughts on that? I 100% agree with that. I would say the spreadsheet format is not always the easiest to maintain for a weekly perspective, which is why I really like the profit first approach from a where do we stand today. But the I usually forecast on a monthly basis, at least out to the end of the year, if you have a cyclical or seasonal business, I would recommend you go out to that next like feast or famine phase. Mm -hmm. Okay. At least through that phase that I know I got to build up reserves for or that is coming that I need to account for mm -hmm. and project, am I going to have the cash flow to cover that invoice, let's say? Yep. Or how much cash flow do I need to build up now and now. put aside Correct. to make sure that can happen? The other thing that that forecasting does, Danielle, for me is um, that it allows me to anticipate, ooh, I'm going to have a crunch three months from now or next month. So where is that cushion going to come from, as you say, right? Mm -hmm. Often and making it's, sure you've got it. And make sure aside. you've got it. Yeah. So it, ideally it's working capital, but it could be a credit card that that I'm going to float some money on, or it could be a line of credit, right? Oh, those are my favorite. So we we talked a little bit before this about that that safety net, right? I absolutely love having a line of credit. I don't care what your business does, how big or small it is. I will be honest, they're not the easiest to get in this market right now. Mm -hmm. But having a business line of credit gives you an immediate safety net for very little cost. Generalizing now, and I know, like you said, it's gotten it's gotten harder. At, at what, how, how much history do I need to have with my bank or as a business before a bank is any, even going to consider me for a credit line? What, what's been your experience? Uh, how far into it do I need to be before that's even an option for most businesses? In my experience, they don't like to finance hobbies, so usually about it, they're going to want your data. Yeah. Your financial they're going to want to see our financials, right? So you're going to need like a year of mm -hmm. truly completed year of mm -hmm. financial data to give them some accurate financial reports. Showing profitability. Yes, usually. Okay. You might usually. get lucky, but you're usually going to need to show some form of profitability or at least that you, I've seen it happen where there are businesses that have a long receivable term and they may not have the, how do I put this? They may not have the most beneficial financial statements. Right. But they can but show can, I've got, I've got money coming. I've got yes, stuff. You can show those receivables. I've got a receivable. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, anything else on cash flow? I, I, I mean, we talked here about forecasting, but what, what else would you share with us about cash flow? Just a reminder that cash is king. I know I said you need a budget to be able to forecast cash flow, but if you aren't looking at your cash, at the end of the day, businesses are not going to go out of business because of a budget. They're going to go out of business because they ran out of money to pay people. The number one reason, right? We run out of cash. Yeah. It is what kills well, just about every business unless we purposely shut it down. 
one way or another, we run out of cash and sources of cash, and that's what kills us. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so critical. All right, let's talk a little bit more about profit margin coming back to that point. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, and you know this, uh, of course, better than I, is the other thing that I think is confusing for people is that they think their P&L reflects their cash position. So can you highlight why that's not the case? Yeah, so the key to cash flow is timing. Cash does not hit your bank account at the same time as a sale. And I'll give an example. If you are, I'll take it from my business. When I sell a client a new package, I will record that sale based on the fact that we have a signed agreement and they've made their first payment. So I'm estimating they're going to continue to make their monthly payments. But what if they can't? What if one of those months, those payments don't come through and now I'm short on cash flow even though I've recorded revenue for a sale that I thought hit. And some of this gets into the technicalities between cash basis and accrual basis accounting. Right. But it also has to do with just general timing differences. Mm-hmm. I used the example of a credit card when I told you to, if you're putting most of your expenses on the credit card, this month's cash flow is going to show last month's credit card expenses. That is a big difference. And it can be a big difference between your P&L and your cash flow because you didn't pay that credit card until this month. Yeah. The other thing that's tricky sometimes is inventory, right? Which oh, yeah. reflected on the PL is just what I consumed. The rest is sitting over on the balance sheet and it and so I've got money tied up there that doesn't get reflected on the PL. Or debt. If you have a loan of any kind, yep. that's not going to show up on your PL. If you're paying a thousand dollars a month to a term loan, that $1,000 a month is coming out of your bank account, but it's not hitting your P&L. Right, right. Only the interest might be coming out of there if it's being paid by the company, right? Right. Yeah. All right, great. Excellent points. You talk about going to profit margins now, the three profit levers or levers, depending on how you pronounce that word. Uh, briefly, what, what are those three levers that we have control over that can impact profits? And we may have talked about some of them already. Yeah, a lot of business owners, and I'm included in this when I started the business, everyone's like, sell more, sell more, sell more. You think you just need to sell more. Mm -hmm. One of the key profit levers isn't just to sell more, but to sell more of your most profitable product Mm -hmm. or service. Mm -hmm. We talked a bit earlier about gross profit margin, your sales minus cost of sales. If that is not, first of all, if that's negative, we have a problem. (laughs) If it is not a big enough number to cover everything else, we have a problem. So one of the steps I go through with all of my clients is digging into what are their different sources of revenue and what is the cost of providing that revenue. And if we can identify what is your most, well, when, not if, we identify what is the most profitable product or service, that's what you want to throw your marketing money at. If you're going to pay for marketing, you want it on the profitable stuff. Add fuel to the fire. Yes. So make sure you're selling what is most profitable. The second profit lever is all about cutting costs. Cut the things that are unnecessary. You are going to increase your profit by selling more of your profitable item, cutting the expenses and reducing how much money is going out the door. And last but not least, this is the one I think most business owners I know struggle with the most, raising your prices. Yep. Make sure that you are charging what you are worth. Right now, in these inflationary times, um, 
I've heard this talked about by many experts and I, and I concur. I think that consumers right now more than ever are understanding, there's nothing they're gonna like it, but understanding of you raising your prices. And it is amazing, I'm sure it is to you, Danielle, how many people I come across who haven't raised their prices in five, six, seven years. Oh yeah, and I have people that feel I have talked to clients that don't want to raise their rates because they feel bad because yeah, it they is feel inflationary. Bad. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, what I like to tell, especially service providers, because I know so many service providers that'll say, well, I don't really pay for very much. My business costs have not gone up, mm. but your cost of living has. That's right. And you need to be able to fund that. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, we all need to stay in business to provide that service or that product that we offer to our customers, right? Mm -hmm. And we're in business to make a profit. This is not a charity or a, or a hobby that we're running. So great advice. Mo what's most profitable? Focus on that. That comes back to that if you don't know the financials, you won't know what that is. So that, that goes mm -hmm. to that foundational component. Cutting costs, you touched on an example of that which was that reviewing of those recurring charges as an example, but it's more than that. I believe you got to be ruthless about expense management and then raising prices is three huge things that you could look at right away. And to your point that have nothing to do with, Oh, we just got to generate more sales. Yeah. Um, I mean, great. We can go generate more sales, but sure. wouldn't you rather generate five new clients at a better rate than have mm -hmm. to go get 10 of them at a, a smaller one? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Great. Thanks for all of that knowledge sharing there. I, I want to come back to this, this uh, concept, this thing called a fractional or outsource CFO. How do you define it as you offer it? What What is a fractional CFO to a small business owner? The most generic definition is that a fractional CFO is going to help you look forward in your business and not just backwards at what's done. The goal of a fractional CFO, the goal for me personally, is to help clients make informed decisions and have the confidence to take action in their business when they may not have otherwise done it. And I would not be able to afford to hire you, but I can afford to bring you on as a consultant, or that's where the term fractional or outsourced comes in. Definitely. Without having to pay six and multi six figure salaries to have a CFO on staff, you can have a fractional CFO that you meet with once a month, once a quarter. I have clients we meet once a year and just build that budget out and then they maintain it. The other thing that I think, and this is why I'm seeing fractional CFOs, even for much larger, you know, up to medium sized companies is that you have the broader perspective of working with multiple companies. And so you're able to bring to me that knowledge, those best practices. Uh, and that's, I think, can be a lot more valuable than someone that just works for me. Yeah, you aren't stuck in a silo. You get to see, because let's be honest, business owners are creative people and we all can see how other people are handling different scenarios. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Okay, and it is, the way at least we are offering, it's affordable to small business owners. Yes. Depending on your business size, there is, it's not a one size fits all. There are fractional CFO packages that can fit every small business owner. 
separate from that, I want to ask you a question because this this is something I always think about. You know, it, it, as we think of the the pillars or the 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 sections of our business, you know, initially we tend to wear all of the hats as a small business owner, and then you know we might bring in a salesperson or an operations person. Usually, uh, a CFO type or a director of accounting is farther down is what I found as we get to be a bigger business, because we, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. We have our, our CPA or accountant, or maybe we get to a level where we have a fractional CFO, especially now that that's becoming more common knowledge. But what do you advise even for those clients that you act as their CFO as to, is there a range that when you say, you know, you're ready to hire a director of accounting or an accounting manager that then, you complement with a fractional CFO. Do you understand the question I'm asking? When do I start to fill that position internally, uh, perhaps in combination with an outsourced CFO? It depends on the business model a little bit. So manufacturing or inventory-based or service-based are all going to be a little different when it comes to revenue size that makes sense for that. But as a business owner, when you have a bookkeeper that you basically need full-time. And especially if you are getting pressure from the banks or from other funding sources that are wanting what I'm going to call accrual basis mm -hmm. accounting, yep. you are going to want to look at a more internal full-time degreed, if not licensed accountant. And then as that team needs more resources, when you start to gain an accounting team of, let's say, three, somebody doing AR, somebody's doing um, accounts payable, and then somebody's doing your general accounting, you may start looking into that controller role because you want some oversight over those reconciliations. You need some processes and procedures in place. The fractional CFO, I, I would honestly say I've helped people who have nothing but a bookkeeper. So I feel like it's a little bit separate than when you start bringing on these internal teams. Yeah. Um, I've helped people that just have a bookkeeper that they outsource to all the way to uh, small businesses that have a team of five internally and a controller and need that fractional forward looking CFO perspective. Well said. Thank you for that explanation. That that's very helpful. All right, um, we've touched on it obviously, but but what have we missed? What else can you tell us about the services that you offer your clients through Four Corners CFO? I would just say you are never too small to start using a budget, and if that means preparing it yourself or getting your bookkeeper to help you prepare it, that is definitely the starting block. As you near the six figures, having a fractional CFO like myself step in and help you in in just an annual capacity to get that budget and to understand how to look at budget and cash flow and maintain it. And then moving forward into the quarterly and eventually the monthly packages where you're really able to say, what was our budget to actuals every month? Because that's where the magic happens. Yeah, great stuff. And, and if I want to explore this further, I can schedule a free consultation with you, correct? Yes, I love meeting business owners. Even if you aren't ready to have fractional CFO services and you just have some financial questions, I would love to help you out through a free consultation and just talking about where your business is at and where you want to go. How do where do I go to to schedule that? The easiest way to do that is on my website, the number 4 
www.cornerscfo.com. You'll find a contact page, but there are also multiple links throughout the website to schedule a consult call. Fourcornerscfo.com. And if you don't remember that, I'll have a link to it as well on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. All right, we've mentioned it already, but uh, I know what book you're going to recommend. So tell me <laughs> about that. My favorite book for business owners that are thinking about finance is Profit First. It is very easy to implement. It's easy to maintain. And best of all, it's easy to see where your cash flow stands at any given moment in the business. Yeah, I love that book. It's a, it's a great book and a great Great uh, actionable advice for small business owners to help them really manage the finances of their business. Yeah. Definitely. Thanks for that recommendation. Absolutely. All right. We'll wrap it up. Great conversation here. But Danielle, what's what's one thing, you know, as it relates to me as a small business owner, thinking about what a CFO thinks about, thinking about, you know, maybe should I consider bringing in a fractional CFO, but really that if I put on my CFO hat, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation? Don't be afraid to look at the numbers and don't be too ashamed to ask for help. Most people that love accounting and finance the way I do, the messier, the better. Honestly, we <laughs> love cleaning it up because that means when we finally put the puzzle together and we get that last piece in place, there is so much value that we can bring. I have found that, you know, there's so many small business owners that have, you know, surrendered on the numbers either because, you know, they don't like numbers or I'm not good at math or finances is not my thing. And, and I find that when they get their arms around it, uh, A, they realize, oh, I don't have to be a math genius. B, you feel so much, so much relief when you at least know what it is, mm -hmm. right? Um, and if you just will get the help and, and get some order, you're going to find a tremendous relief as opposed to looking at the end of the month and seeing if there's any money left over in the bank account. Definitely. It's even if the numbers aren't great, I promise you, we can make a path to making them better. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Tell me again, to, uh, where to go online to learn more going to be my website at www.thenumber4cornerscfo.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn under my name, Danielle Hendon, or on Instagram under the business name for Corners CFO. Excellent. Danielle, so, uh, so fortunate we were able to connect and that you came on the show, a lot of actionable information, a lot of great takeaways. So thank you for that. That's what we look for on this show. Th thanks for making the time and for sharing your knowledge today. Thank you so much for having me. I love, you don't know what you don't know. And I love the opportunity to help people know that there's, there's help out there and there's ways to do this. Agreed. This is Henry Lopez. And thanks for joining me on this episode of the How of Business. My guest today again was Danielle Hendon. I release new episodes every Monday morning and you can listen and subscribe to my show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.